I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Right, hello gang, welcome to the pod. How is everyone? Good, how are you Lawrence? Yeah, Hi, Lawrence. oh Steve, yes you're joining us. Um, <laughs> nice to see you. I see everyone's managed to successfully get their tech working, especially you Sar, well done. Well now, the only reason we have to get our tech working is because you're in Turkey. So we thought we'd record for the comfort of our homes this week, but purely because you're away on holidays. <laughs> what are you even doing there? Are you getting like new hair or a new turkey set of okay. teeth or what's yeah, hold, going on? Hold, hold the line, caller. Hold the line. Have you, has, <laughs> it, has, it, has anyone noticed how Welsh Sarah gets when she gets aggressive there with her, with her line of questions? <laughs> they say purely again. That was, that was brilliant. That was purely. 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 Was that where purely, it? Purely. 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 Oh, listen now, this is a rugby podcast. We're not discussing dialects and accents. We had a comment this week on our YouTube channel which said that they just wanted you to talk for half an hour. So that sort of discounts everybody else, doesn't it? That would be a very boring <laughs> podcast if they had me talking for half an hour, I'll tell you. But that's very kind and very sweet. Um, anyway, how are you, Steve, Lawrence, before we get on to our special guest today? Are we all good? Very good, thank you. No, unfortunately, there's nothing that even Turkey can do for my teeth or my uh, or my hair. <laughs> but uh, as our listeners can't see you, so I see you have had your hair straightened. So uh, perhaps you'd like to explain why? Just just fancied it on a Tuesday, did you? Well, yeah, just a, a, a Tuesday at home. I thought, hey, I'll spend three hours straightening my hair. Well, yeah, there's a reason why I curl it. <laughs> I'm glad the viewers. And Steve, you, you, you spent three hours gelling your hair by the look of it. Uh, it, it yes, uh, try to anyway. No, I've spent the day celebrating the king's birthday. Uh, my daughter had a school trip to the Tower of London and I managed to slip out of the office for an hour and a half to go and meet her. She was very, very surprised when I turned up in the White Tower, tagging along. But it was, uh, yeah, 62 gun salute for the King today. Don't know why, 62. Apparently it always is. They've sort of missed off 13, haven't they? Because he was 75 today. But anyway, there we go. <laughs> Good day out. Are you a royalist, Steve? You seem to know a lot about... Well, uh... I was listening, you see. As the teachers were walking around, I was paying attention and taking notes just in case I got any asked any questions at the end. Oh, very good. Uh, right, okay. Shall we introduce our guest then, shall we? She recently celebrated a 99th cap for England by lifting their winning trophy at the inaugural WXV tournament in New Zealand, where she was also named... World Rugby Women's Player of the Year is Red Roses captain, Marley Packer. Hi, Marley. How are you? Hi, Zara. I'm well, thank you. Good. I bet you are. Congratulations on all fronts. Everything. <laughs> thank you. Definitely back off cloud nine now, back at club training this evening. So, <laughs> yeah, no, super, super happy of how the last four weeks have gone in this season. But all fronts looking forward to this weekend. Marley, congratulations on everything. Have you been training today? Um, and it looks like you're, you're training again this evening. So thank you for uh, allowing us to, uh, to interview you in between. No worries at all. Yeah, been training today, just skills, gym, and then club 
training tonight so all the girls will be in so they've made me feel very welcomed back and I'm just quietly trying to sneak into the training sessions but they keep making a big thing of it which do they? is super nice but I'm a bit shy I bet they do World Player of the Year that you can't sneak around anywhere that trophy cabinet congratulations on uh, uh, on yet another trophy for your cabinet not just in New Zealand but uh, but also your own personal achievement which is uh, richly deserved um it must have felt especially sweet to go back to new zealand uh, beating the black ferns to that title and get a bit of revenge i guess after last year's world cup defeat which was was agonizingly painful yeah it was really good to to go back over there uh, it was a bit sooner than what i would have liked to just a year later but we got there we took each game as it come and then to beat new zealand the way we did and backed up our performance uh, was yeah really good a lot of people talked about the revenge match, but to us, we were a new look Red Roses team, not just the players on the pitch, but also the staffing group as well. And actually, the way we wanted to play, it was very different to how we had played before. So, you know, it was just good to get out there and get the result that we went there to go get. How much influence were you getting from John Mitchell? Because obviously he he hasn't officially taken over yet, but was he putting his stamp on the gameplay uh, for the final? Yeah, very much so. Uh, not just so much for the final, like the whole run. So we've changed our game plan and the way we wanted to play. And that definitely came from the top down. So actually, when he landed with us, it was mainly the stuff that he's wanted us to do anyway. So he just took more of a backseat role, which, you know, when he was, you're in a huddle and he's just chomping his gum at the behind it and you can hear it, you're thinking, oh, what's he thinking? But he would come over and just pose questions and see the game completely different to maybe how I would have looked at it before and the rest of the group would have. So it was actually really nice, refreshing. And he came in, he knew all the girls' names, he knew a bit about us. So actually it was quite nice. I was reading somewhere, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he's he's obviously given you food for thought in terms of, you know, what you're producing on the pitch and on the field of play. But I was reading somewhere that he's got some interesting suggestions as well for, for challenges off it and team challenges. Is there something yeah. about lyrical writing skills? Or, I don't yes. know exactly what it was. <laughs> what, what did he do with you yeah, guys? So here at Saracens, when we win, we sing Tiki Tiki Tonga. Uh, us as the Red Roses, we don't have an aftermatch song. So and we're, we are a group that like to sing. So he set us a challenge. So we've been in different colour teams throughout the WXV. And he set a challenge of us uh, making up different songs. And then there'd be a competition and whichever song we like the most would be our aftermatch song. So Meg Jones and Natasha Hunt, so Mo, uh, their song won it. And it was pretty epic. And then, what was it? What was the song? Oh, do you remember it? <laughs> no, I do remember it, but I'm not, I'm not going to sing it. it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sing it. No, I'm not singing it. We haven't won. I'm not with the Red <laughs> Roses. But it, 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 it was epic, to be fair. And then even the coaching staff got involved. So Harriet Martin, our manager, she did one. Also Charlie Hater. So actually, it brought the group together. So it's just something a bit different. We're thinking about something different than rugby, but it's all part of the, for the same cause. Mole, did you have a song when you were playing? Is this a new thing, players singing songs when they've won? Well, we had a was song a bit like uh, a bit like Saracens do, and um, thank you. I don't want you to sing it. Don't, I'm not <laughs> even going to ask you to sing it. You can, we can so, just, just so you know, just so you know, it. number one hit single with Tina Turner. Oh, here we go. Uh, I, I, mean, I knew that was coming. I mean, there's a reason why it got to number one, and it had nothing to do with me. Yeah, you know that. Um, anyway, you had to sing a song when you got first, when you first got capped for England, which I think they still do. In, yeah, they still do it for the women, the women as, well. as well. And, you know, you've got to sing a a joining song really haven't you a chorus song otherwise you just get drowned out and abused rotten really I don't think anything has changed 
Um, Marley, I just wanted to ask, obviously, you said that we're a new Red Roses team. So other than John Mitchell, what's different about the team? I think uh, we have two players off on maternity leave currently, Vic and Abby Ward. So they're both off. Uh, we've got a new attack coach, Lou Meadows. So that brings in something different. Then Sarah Hunter, the old England captain, she is now our defence coach. So actually, there's a lot of stuff changing. Then Charlie Hayter, he's head of women and girls performance at the RFU. He's now come into his role and he feeds a lot down to us and he's very much like constantly with us driving what we want to drive as players on and off the pitch. So, you know, it's not just the coaching staff, but the players, we've got new young players coming in. So, you know, the squad is in a really good place, both from a staffing perspective, but also as players. And I think that's credit to where the league is. Like the league makes us have such a bigger squad because of the calibre of players that come here and, and play and drive us to play better standards. Mal, you mentioned Sarah Hunter there. Like, how nice is she? She's just amazing, isn't she? Love her. I mean, to have someone like her so closely involved and linked with a team, like that must be invaluable. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. For me as well, massively, stepping up as captain, I never gave Sarah Hunter as much credit as what she deserved being captain. The stuff you have to do off the field to make sure the squad are in a in the right place to go put that performance in week after week. Uh, yeah, the work she put in was amazing. And her being coach just means that like, I can go to her and just sound check things, just checking that I'm doing the right things and like picking up the right conversations at the right time with people. And actually, like it's great to have her about and... You know, she's really stepped up as our defence coach and you go and ask her questions and nine times out of ten, she knows the answer. But if she's not 100% on something, she'll say, I'll get back to you on that. And she'll go find the information out, get clips up and show it to you. She's not going to just feed you rubbish if you can't, if you get me. She's proper and like I really love having her about and I think the rest of the squad do as well. And I think she was probably quite nervous when she got the role. It was quite quick, obviously, after her retiring, but she stepped into the role and she's been fantastic. Well, it's amazing. Um, I know in rugby, we don't like to talk about individual awards, but we are going to because you thoroughly deserved your World Player of the Year. Just tell us a little bit about what it meant to receive that award because it's uh, it's an incredible thing. I mean, were you able to attend the World Rugby Awards or were you not were you not back? So no, I wasn't able to attend the awards because we were still playing in WXV. So after the game, uh, my manager came over to me and she just pulled me to the side and I was thinking, oh no, what's happened? <laughs> and she goes, <laughs> so naturally something like bad's happened. You haven't been cited, don't worry. <laughs> no, no. And, uh, and she goes, uh, you've won World Player of the Year. And I literally, I think just the whole emotion of the tournament, obviously being away from Oliver, I think that moment, I just, yeah, I just bawled a little bit. I don't know what oh. came over me. And she like gave me a big hug. And then they announced it to the rest of the girls. And yeah, there was just a big cheer. Everyone like super happy for me. And yeah, it was just amazing to obviously receive it over in New Zealand after, after putting the wrongs right from a year ago, I guess. Marley, what's obviously next for the Red Roses? And also, um, I heard today that potentially WXV next year might be in France. So potentially we might get bigger crowds, hopefully attending this time. For the Red Roses, our next tournament is Six Nations. So all of the Red Roses will just be gearing up for the league. We won't now come back together with the Red Roses until probably around January time. And then after the Six Nations, we'll go back to the league, have some off time again, and then uh, ramp up with WXV. Now, WXV could be 
uh, in England or like you just said, maybe France, but we're not sure yet. We haven't been given those dates. Now, turning to the domestic game, there's been a bit of a reset with the establishment of the Premiership Women's Rugby, which has replaced the Premier 15s competition and the new season kicks off this weekend. One of the changes is a new broadcast deal with, of course, TNT Sports, who'll be showing more than 20 matches across the season. Obviously, TNT have got an existing rugby fan base, so in many ways it seemed like the obvious home for PWR. But there, I guess, will be a bit of frustration that at a time when the women's game is seeing so much growth that the TV broadcasts are being put behind a paywall. Marley, uh, I guess it's a positive, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think it's massively positive. Like, the way we look at it, we want more people to, to watch us. And if it's getting broadcasted, then actually more people are going to get a following. And it's more of a chance to inspire future generations to pick up the ball, not just girls, but boys as well. Like, that's what us is is rugby players want to do is inspire the next generation. If you can't see it, then you can't believe to do it. Um, so, yeah, a really positive. And hopefully, I think at the moment, there's not as many games as what I'd like to be shown on, on the broadcasting. But, you know, we get good numbers those first couple of games and actually they see that there's a real appetite for the women's game and then show more games. You stuck with me, Marley. I'm presenting them for TNT, so I'm going to every weekend. <laughs> uh, so I can't wait. I'm in Bristol Sale on Saturday, so like, I'm super excited for that. It'd be great. There are some games on BBC iPlayer as well if you haven't got TNT Sports, so it will be on a terrestrial platform, so don't miss that either. We had James Haskell on the podcast a few weeks back, Marley, and he was saying that he hopes the um, the women's game forges its own path going forward and, and doesn't make the same mistakes as the men's game, which, which as we know, has been faced with some pretty big challenges over the last couple of years. Now the PWR is in place, and part of its remit is to establish a 10-year strategy, right? So with yeah. the creation of new worldwide tournaments, such as we've spoken about the WXP, do you feel that there's a greater clarity now about the women's game and, and I guess what it needs and what it wants to shape its future? Sorry, that was a very long-winded question. It could have been much shorter, but do you feel like it's going in the right direction? Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, when we were out in New Zealand, they said that the calendars are going to line in 2025 as well. So actually, the game's going in the right direction. The centralised contracts for the Red Roses are run by England Rugby, the RFU. So actually, that then keeps a perspective on what the, the Red Roses players are doing and how much minutes they're getting played. So actually, they're not being flogged. And, you know, then when the players are played, that you're getting maximum out of them. I think the direction that the women's game is going has learned from where the men have been at. Obviously, there's been some uh, consequences to where the men's game's gone to, the effect it's had on the women's. We've lost Worcester women this season, which is absolutely devastating for all their players, their staff and everyone that put so much work into getting them into the PWR this season. So uh, to fall short just at that last hurdle is it, gutting for them. But with that, actually, it makes the league even more competitive, that there's more players to go around, around the teams and actually more competition and that, and that's what you want not just club to club competition but in club competition as well you want back row fighting for positions props second rows and so on like that's the competition you want as players and what we want i guess as well is that people start talking about women's rugby as an entity of its own not going have you learned from the men's game or you know it needs to stand alone doesn't it as do you understand what i'm trying to say not constantly be prepared and and share audiences and it just doesn't need to be like that no and i think with that we came out of the shadow of the six nations we've changed the timetable of when we play the six nations and i think that's massive for us it gets 
us really highlighted on on social media, different platforms, the news that actually the women have got this standalone tournament that is actually really entertaining and, you know, a really good level of uh, rugby you're watching and actually really entertaining because the ball in play time's longer because we don't kick it out so much. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, uh, and, and it's physical. It, it's a really physical game and, you know, we don't shy away from that. But then also we, we've got characters and personalities. We're all very unique, but we love playing the game and doing what we do. Do PWR ask your views at all on the future direction of the game? Are you getting to input that as England captain? So we've had been in some conversations, but actually I think it's more of a launch pad. I think the clubs, so like the CEOs, I know Lucy Ray's been massively input into how the PWR are going to run. I know a lot of the clubs have all been in a lot of conversation about this. So not so much myself, I think that goes a bit above my head. But us as players, you know, we talk about how can we have a better setup? Well, actually, if we could get players full time for, say, two, three days a week would be great. But it's how do we get to that point? And we often see a little boy Oliver popping up on your Instagram. Um, I remember seeing a lovely photo of him on the pitch with you at Twickenham after your, your Grand Slam win at the Six Nations. Has he started showing any any flair for rugby yet? Well, I take him to uh, rugby tots, but he generally oh, runs away. Rugby tots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Saturday morning, 8 a.m., I was out at rugby tots, and the coach was like, I can't believe it. Uh, you're only weekend off, and you're, you're down here doing this. I was like, yeah. But he's not quite got it yet. He's a three year old that just wants to run wild instead of, you know, picking the ball up and putting it down in a little circle thing and stuff. So, yeah, he will get it. But whatever he wants to do, he will do. But he loves coming to Mummy's work because there's a gym and loads of players that want to play with him constantly. <laughs> Love it. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Molly, there's no doubt that 2023 has been an amazing year for you personally and for the teams you've been involved in. Before you go, um, which we have to ask you about. What are your, you're now England captain. You're obviously a huge part of what Saracens are up to. Um, what are your hopes and aspirations for the for the year ahead or for the months ahead or do you not look that far ahead? You must set yourself a few little targets and goals and now, now you're the captain, you've got to set some team ones as well. Yeah, definitely. I think for Saracens, uh, while we've been away, they've been playing cup rugby. They've got to the semi-final of that. So they've set us a really good launch pad to go into the league. So, you know, we want to start really well in the league and carry on with their success. Then going into Six Nations, like there's no better feeling than backing up a Six Nations Grand Slam with another Six Nations Grand Slam. But to do that, being captain would be epic. So that is definitely up there. And then along the way, hopefully pick up my 100 cap. But... You know, there's a lot of rugby from now till then to be played. So I'm just I'm just staying in the here and now with it. Great stuff. Well, listen, as always, it's been amazing chatting to you. All the very best for your game against Loughborough Lightning at the weekend. We've no doubt that the uh, PWR will go from strength to strength and the future of English rugby certainly looks very bright indeed. So, Marley, for, on behalf of all of us, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Thank you, Lawrence. Thanks, Thanks Marley. Steve. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Okay, shall we have a look at where we are in the Premiership then? Um, Harlequins, top of the table after overpowering Leicester Tigers at the weekend. Northampton edged their way into the top four after a convincing win over Exeter Chiefs. Saris are slowly moving up the table thanks to a big win at Newcastle. But it was more misery for Bristol and Gloucester, unfortunately, as neither club managed to notch up a win. Their respective adversaries were Sale and Bath, who are now taking second and third spots in the league. Lawrence, um, as we talked about briefly last week, there are fewer games this season and it's almost more of a sprint than a marathon. It's like a 100-metre dash. So how do these teams at the bottom end just turn the momentum around? Because, you know, we're starting to pick up pace now. It is. And, you know, listen, each team has now got its internationals back. I think Saracens, you know, struck oil early and decided to unleash all of their internationals straight back in with their home game against Leicester. Uh, they got the bounce from that. I think Leicester attempted to do that at Harlequins and, and were just on the other side of the defeat. Um, so you're absolutely right. Look, it's going to be very competitive, only 18 games. But if you look at Harlequins at the top, right the way down to, I think, Saracens in sixth place, there's only one win that separates Saracens in sixth from Harlequins at the top. So we will be on this rugby podcast talking throughout the next few weeks about teams chopping and changing, moving up, those moving down. But the reality is that there's going to be a lot of competition for places for these playoffs because of the nature of the of the competition. I think it's a really wonderful opportunity, really. To, to I mean, look, the England squad is, is not going to be announced till January, I don't think. There's going to be some new faces in that England squad. Steve Borthwick will make some changes. So I think it's a really great opportunity for individual players to put forward their uh, you know, put a marker down um, and start picking up some wins. I mean, it's unusual to see the likes of Leicester Tigers down in ninth place, Gloucester Rugby, who traditionally have done well. Um, yeah, look, they've got to start picking up wins, but I'm sure that they will. Saracens are still very much the team to beat. Um, and I think their focus will be not only on domestic rugby, but on the European Champions Cup when that swings back into action. But it's great to see the likes of Harlequins looking good. I like the look of Harlequins. They just look so comfortable with the ball in hand this season, even more so than season past, I think. Yeah, and I just think with the, with them, I think with Marcus Smith there, um, they've made some very astute signings with uh, the likes of Will Porter. Um, they've got Danny Kerr, obviously, Jared Evans, young Welsh fly half. So I think they've got that strength in depth in those positions now to mount quite a serious challenge. And if they can keep some of their forward step and really take on, uh, you know, that set piece, I think that they, they're a force to be reckoned with. Northampton Saints, we saw at the weekend, um, they dispatched Exeter. So just when we think one team is is kind of getting a run of games together, 
they then lose a match. And then we're talking about whether things are, are quite right there. But Rob Baxter came up with some wonderful quotes, I think, at the weekend when he just said, look, the average age has dropped down to, what, 23 in the Exeter Chiefs team. And he said, we've got to keep picking these lads. Uh, they're going to learn their mistakes out there in the premiership. And at some point, they'll come good. So great to see a coach back in his, his young players, even though they uh, they lost the game, obviously, against the Saints. Yeah, but they've been good, haven't they, the, the Chiefs youngsters um, this season so far. Um, OK, so it's Derby weekend ahead then. Friday night, sees Bath um, against Neighbours Bristol. And Sale will see Newcastle come to town. Bath and Sale are both looking pretty comfortable in the top three at the moment. Steve, can you see either of them losing at the weekend? Uh, I can't, no. And I think it's going to be a, a season of struggle for the three teams, actually, that are at the bottom at the moment with Newcastle, Gloucester and Bristol all potentially going to finish down there. I think Long's already mentioned that there's, it's going to be tight at the top, but I think it's going to be equally those three that are cut adrift. And obviously today, the news for Newcastle that uh, Matteo Carreras is leaving as well at the end of the season. You kind of think they don't really need any more bad news. And I wonder how much pressure as well Pat Lamb is now under at Bristol. Um, obviously had a, two of their high-profile players leave, but also brought in some big signings as well at the same time, and they just don't seem to be clicking at the moment. I mean, we tend not to get many coaches sacked, do we, during the season, but um, I think he might be under a little bit of threat there. Oh, OK. Well, what do you think, Lyle? Do you agree? Uh, quite possibly. I mean, I, I think it's early days at the moment. Um, I thought uh, Bristol have tried to change the way that they're playing. Look, they're... They've only played five games. They've looked. They've won two. They've lost three. So let's not get too carried away. Gloucester have got a whole host of injuries, and yet they've still won uh, two matches out of five. I worry for Newcastle. Uh, I went on Twitter and got absolute dogs abuse from everyone about uh, saying that Newcastle were, were weren't competitive because apparently they have been competitive in a lot of games, except for the last one against Saracens. But I do worry about them picking up wins because uh, they need to quickly start making Kingston Park a place that people don't want to come and play like it was last season and the season before. So that for me is the worry. But Leicester Tigers, I wouldn't worry too much about them. I think once they get back on the training field and they start to get some of that DNA back, hopefully they don't lose their head coach. They've only just appointed to the Australian setup, but uh, Australia obviously got to announce a new coach coming up quite soon. Um, and look, I think it, it's going to be very, very interesting. You talk about Derby weekend. It is an amazing concept. I think it's one as players we used to love. Uh, I think the fans really get into it. And there's no bigger Derby than the one we've got this weekend. Leicester against Northampton. You know, normally it's Northampton that go in there as the underdogs with a bit of pressure. But I think they go in there in terms of the favourites at the moment. Leicester lost four out of five. It's going to be a huge, huge game there at uh, Matoli Welford Road. Very, very excited for that. We're there with TNT. And then, obviously, um, no love lost between the likes of uh, Saracens and Harlequins. That's at the stoop, isn't it? And um, again, you know, two teams that are banging form. I'm sure the um, the Saracens players will be back from uh, Turkey or Dubai or wherever they've been allowed to go in the week. Uh, but the team that they picked in Newcastle was incredible, wasn't it? They performed very, very well indeed. So that is going to be an absolute cracker as well. They're not out there with you, are they? The Saracens team? No, I don't think so. I think they, to be honest, go... To, I'm not sure where they go actually, but they they, they they don't need new teeth, Steve. They don't need new teeth on your hair. Joe Pillar answers, Are you making your way back by Sunday when you and I are a Gloucester Exeter? Um, that would be a good battle there as well. Um, Exeter will be singing after defeat to Northampton. Um, and Gloucester, they, they've kind of got a point to prove, and they have to be in. Or was it 2010 at half time against Bath, but losing by 18 points at the final whistle? Yeah, it was an incredible game, that. Um, again, a, a real cracking derby. I'm not quite, I mean, it's, well, classic game of two halves, but not quite sure how uh, Gloucester managed to let that slip. But you've got to give credit to 
Bath. I mean, they got to a point in that game where they could have kicked an easy three. They went for a tap penalty. Finn Russell pulling the strings there. You know, he was outstanding. If they keep him in cotton wool and they get him on the front foot, I think Bath, as a lot of people expect, will will do very well this season. And they haven't had a pantomime villain to celebrate down at the shed since uh, since I retired. I don't think really to be honest with you. <laughs> I loved uh, I loved the cheekiness of him uh, putting his uh, finger up to his mouth and shushing the King's Home Shed crowd. And do you know what? They would have loved that as well. So uh, I think it was a really interesting game. And a Bath look back to their best. But George Givington will be uh, itching to get things back anyway. I'm sure. Okay, so it's going to be an exciting weekend of Gallagher Premiership action. Then I hope you make it back from Turkey. I know you're out there playing golf, so don't get lost on the on the 19th hole. <laughs> well, I managed to. I may well. I may well end up getting lost a little bit, but uh, don't worry. So, in the words of um, a movie star, I'll be back. <laughs> and what a, what a finish to the podcast! <laughs> right, and that's all for this week. My thanks to Sar and to Steve, um, and a big thanks to uh, Julie Banks for putting together this uh, this technological uh, masterclass. Uh, <laughs> please just go back to studio next week I can't cope with this again next week <laughs> and a big thank you to our guest Marley Packer uh, we'll be back next week in the studio until then thanks for listening and goodbye the evening standard rugby podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.